You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. Uh, once again, and as always, I am your host, Ben Wolf. I'm happy today to be joined. Uh, by an individual who is one of the foremost experts uh, in the world in the uh, FCPA, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Uh, he is the uh, founder and CEO of the consulting firm Advanced Compliance Solutions and founder of the Compliance Podcast Network uh, today. And what we hope to focus on today is, uh, you know, as a main takeaway, is what you need to know when thinking of using a podcast to grow your business or build your brand, what you should know about doing that, what's it good for, what's it not good for. Uh, and as always, we hope to have the goal of the show being to share information that people out there in the entrepreneurial community can use right away in their businesses and in their, and in their lives. Uh, so uh, please be sure to uh, subscribe to this show on your uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, leave a review. Uh, I think Spotify maybe doesn't allow you to do that, but uh, to leave a review wherever you listen to this, and that will make sure that uh, if you follow it and, and subscribe to it, that you'll have access to it in the future, and that uh, if you leave a review, it makes it uh, appear higher in the search results and makes it more accessible, the value that we share here to other people as well. So please do that. And uh, with that, I'd like to get into introducing our guest today, uh, who is an attorney and a consultant to corporations on compliance, risk management, uh, building compliance programs, and uh, and corporate governance. Exciting topics. Uh, one of the foremost experts in the world on FCPA, the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Uh, he is the author of the international best-selling books, Lessons Learned on Compliance and Ethics, as well as Best Practices Under FCPA and Bribery Act, and 10 other books. Uh, he, is the foremost, uh, he, he has one of the foremost legal blogs at fcpacompliancereport.com. You can get that again at uh, the blog at fcpacompliancereport.com. And he is the founder of a 13-show podcast, uh, which you could get access to all of those at compliancepodcastnetwork.net. That's compliance podcastnetwork.net. Uh, and with that, I give you Tom Fox. Welcome, Tom. Thank you, Ben. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it is uh, it is a pleasure having you and, uh, and and happy to be doing that again, especially uh, with, you know, we got a fox and a wolf on the same call, so we should get along like uh, peanut butter and jelly, so it should be good. You know, it's going to be good. <laughs> so uh, so I guess, I guess what I'd like to start with, uh, if you don't mind, give everybody a little context and understanding of how your expertise in these areas of, uh, of not only the substantive areas that you help people with, uh, but with blogging and podcasting uh, and how those played a role in your business. So if you don't mind giving everybody a quick two-minute history of how you got into blogging, podcasting, social media, how, how did that start? Let's give everybody a little context. So, Ben, as you mentioned, I'm a lawyer. I'm actually a recovering trial lawyer. I did that for about 20 years, and I went into the in-house world, uh, ending up as a general counsel at an oil service company in Houston, Texas, that had sustained an FCPA violation. That was oh, wow. my first real experience with the FCPA. And, and, what, what's a, and what's an FCPA violation? What is that? Just a super brief. Like, what does that mean? Foreign Corrupt Practices Act is a U.S. law that prevents U.S. companies from engaging in bribery and corruption outside of the United States. Okay. So if a bribe is paid to, to obtain a contract or any other benefit, 
Uh, that's called an FCPA or Foreign Corrupt Practices Act violation. Okay, so this uh, employer had had been hit with one of those, and you're their general counsel. Right, and I came on board after everything had been resolved, and I was part of the initial implementation team, meaning we had to implement a compliance solution, which was uh, mandated by the government. Uh-huh. We had a monitor with oversight over us, very robust oversight, and that's really how I learned my first real detailed exposure to the FCPA, but more importantly, and for my consulting practice, I learned the nuts and bolts of building a compliance program literally from the ground up. Okay. The company company was sold. My job went away. Uh, I decided what I really wanted to do with my life was uh, race bicycles. So I went off on okay. this great adventure to race bicycles. I was wow. over 50, could race in a senior division. It's before Lance Armstrong fell from grace. And uh, <laughs> anyway... Um, uh, after about a year, I was uh, on a training ride and I got hit by a Hummer. So that ended my cycling career. Oh, gosh. Uh, after that, um, convalesced for about eight weeks. Um, and I decided, I knew I was going to have to go back to work because I couldn't cycle anymore. So I, when I had enough energy to get on my walker and toddle into my office, I had to think about what I was going to do. And I decided to focus on the last thing I'd done in the corporate world, which was the nuts and bolts of compliance. Uh-huh. This was now 2010, and there were very few lawyers in private practice who did the nuts and bolts of in-house corporate compliance work. Mm-hmm. Most lawyers uh, in private practice either did investigations of FCPA violations or negotiated with the government over a resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were very few lawyers in my niche. I started... Uh, uh, I had no income and I had no clients mm-hmm. and all I had on my hands was time. So mm-hmm. I started exploring social media. I learned Twitter. Uh, I tell people that, uh, they laugh when I tell them it was actually Twitter that put me on the map for FCPA compliance. Wow. And I did that. Right. You, would with think very... it, you would think it might be the blog and all the value and, and, and knowledge that you're sharing. So that's, that is interesting. Yeah. It was really Twitter that led to the blog. Uh, mm. So, I mean, each step has built on the prior step, but I'm not sure I could have done the prior steps if I hadn't, uh, the subsequent steps, rather, if I hadn't done the prior steps. But it just led me in this exploration of social media. Uh, not that I'm a, you know, a hip uh, older guy. It's just that uh, I had a very uh, knowledgeable teenage daughter at the time who could guide me. Okay. Uh, uh, so, you know, always hire a subject matter expert. And I Asked my daughter once if she would set me up a Facebook page, and I told her if she could do it within 24 hours, I'd give her $100. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, 20 minutes later, she came back and said, okay, Dad, it's up. Uh, you, you thought it was going to be this hours-long <laughs> like project? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's what I learned. You know, always hire an expert. Go directly to the expert source, which is she was then t- uh, 12. So okay. um I started blogging uh, the first year in 2010, three times a week. Uh-huh. It did a couple of things. It forced me to learn the FCPA. It's about a five-page law, so it's relatively short. Uh-huh. The other thing is there are only about five cases interpreting it, so there's a relatively small body of knowledge to right. learn the law. Okay. And then in terms of compliance programs, I really built upon what I had learned in my corporate experience uh-huh. uh, because I knew <clears throat> since we had been under... Uh, monitor, I knew the government had watched us build this compliance program so I could say I'd worked in a situation where we had government oversight because mm-hmm. we did. So, and since we built the program right. with their Not oversight, I could, right, I could tac- at least tacitly say, or at least they say that they tacitly approved it because right. they didn't not approve it. At any rate, um, 
the blog really uh, required me to learn the law even more uh-huh. and allowed me to start then sharing that knowledge. <clears throat> the second year in 2011, I committed to doing a daily blog, and that's really when things started to take off because um, it just became a part of my work day. Uh-huh. So I knew I had to do a blog. There were a few times when it was up late at night or early in the morning, but since I'd made that mental commitment, I just would set aside an hour a day to blog. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, so I created this huge body of knowledge. Um, sh- uh, shortly after, uh, sometime in 2011, a mutual friend of ours named Howard Sklar, yeah, who was also Howard. a blogger at the time, right. he asked me to, to go start a podcast with him. And that's how I got into podcasting. So it was just sort of a natural progression uh, from one to the next to the next. Well, that I mean that that is quite interesting, and and uh, and how did how did that podcasting or the social media, the blogging, like how did that end up playing into uh, your attorney or your consulting business? Um, what it did was a couple of things. One, uh, social media is an amplification tool, so whatever pitch you might have, elevator pitch, pitch to a client, pitch to a potential customer. Uh, you can take that same information and pitch it to the world, literally. Mm-hmm. And I built a worldwide consulting practice, literally at that time, out of my uh, a bedroom in my house. Wow. Because uh, I was so laid up, I, the only time I left the house was to go to physical therapy. I couldn't go to a conference. Wow. I couldn't go meet a client. I couldn't go have lunch. I couldn't go have a drink. Are you, are you better now? Didn't... Like, are you are you fully <laughs> mobile now? Oh, fully mobile now, but okay. uh, it took about well, nine months. Hear. Yeah. Um, So uh, I created this this worldwide practice uh, literally through through the power of social media, which I obviously never never would have been able to do probably uh, even 15 years ago. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, technology is is, you know, has changed so much and it's it's just unreal. The the you know, the real life impacts, you know, in sometimes unpredictable ways that that has. you know, and, and so I think part of what you're saying kind of segues into the next thing that, I, you know, that I, I think we really want to share with people, which is, uh, you know, what you talked about how the podcasting, the blogging, the, the social media ended up being the basis upon which people knew about you, knew about your expertise, knew they were that you would be someone they wanted on their team and ended up helping develop a big business. The question is, you know, I, I guess the other thing I want to get to is so is. Well, there's that. And, you know, what, generally speaking, is podcasting good for? What can it accomplish for a business? Um, and and on the other side of the coin, I think it's it, it probably worthwhile to clarify, you know, there may be things that people think, oh, I'll start a podcast. It'll achieve X, Y, and Z, but really it won't. So, like, what is podcasting good for? And on the other side of the coin, what is it, what is it not good for? So let me start off by saying it's a ton of fun. Okay, uh, and it's a ton of fun because I get to visit with people like you. Uh, yeah. After we record this podcast, I'm going to record a podcast with you. Well, that's right, and I'll and, share and, that with my audience as well when that whenever that comes out. <laughs> and and frankly, if you know, if I just emailed you out of the blue and said, "Hey, I'm Tom Fox. I want to hear about your business," you might have been somewhat reluctant to talk to me. Right. But if I email you and say, "My name's Tom Fox. I have the Compliance Podcast Network. I'd like you uh, to." have you come on my podcast and tell your story, you may be open to that. Right, right. Um, and so I get to meet I'm really definitely sympathetic like with you. that reasoning, <laughs> personally, yeah. obviously. Um, so it's a great le- uh, 
learning tool for the person doing the interviews. Right. So uh, I've researched you and your consulting practice, and I'm going to learn a whole lot more about it uh, when I interview you. Right. Then it, then it becomes the amplification part. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to start a podcast where you simply talk about your goods and services, that's going to amplify what you uh, can do. If you want to use your podcast to interview people, in your industry to try to get a message out, you can do that too. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a variety of of tactics you can use, but the bottom line is podcasting is a marketing tool. It's a marketing tool that allows you to amplify your voice Mm -hmm. in the direction that you want to take it. But the, the, the point I started with beyond it's simply a ton of fun is you learn a lot. And I've learned more about innovation by interviewing non-compliance innovators mm-hmm. uh, about their products and their services and what has made their product or service innovative for what if my podcast called innovation and compliance and i can talk about that now in the context of compliance that in a way i could not do so a couple of years ago and frankly no one else in the compliance space talks about because they don't have the background in right. it that i do right well I, I mean i definitely sympathize with that as well i i find you know that, uh, but hopefully people, you know, listening know that I have, uh, I have a practice in uh, EOS implementation. I help entrepreneurial companies of any industry, ten people or more, in implementing EOS, entrepreneurial operating system, kind of an overall set of tools for uh, successfully growing a business and keeping it focused and getting whatever people want out of their business. And just in talking to clients. Um, I, I often find myself saying, well, I interviewed somebody on my podcast and they shared this bit of information that, you know, w- would be useful to them. And, you know, and, and so I definitely appreciate what you're saying that I would not have that opportunity. I would not be uh, I would not be as in tune with with learning from so many interesting people, uh, if not for, you know, for this structure of the podcast. So definitely hear what you're saying with that. And um, so I, I guess so. I guess partly, you know, so then maybe go to the other side. Then what is podcasting not good for? What is it something that maybe you think people go into it thinking one thing, but in reality, uh, podcasting, or maybe you could speak about social media, uh, other types as well, if, if you have something to share. But what is it not good for that people might think it is? Well, it's not a panacea. And if you are going to do podcasting, you have to commit to podcasting. Mm-hmm. But that really is is in any marketing strategy, print marketing, uh, meeting marketing, you know, going to meetings or, or social media uh, strategy. I tell people you can use Twitter and you can make a name for yourself at Twitter, but you have to be consistent. You have to stay on Twitter. You have to consistently repeat those people within a uh, retweet people within that space. If you're mm-hmm. going to blog, you have to blog consistently, whatever that consistency is three times a week, five days a week, once a week, so that people know they can count on you to mm-hmm. deliver information. And the same with podcasting. If you're going to do three podcasts and then you say, well, my metrics show me that I've garnered no business, that's that's an invalid metric. Mm-hmm. That's an invalid measure. You have to stick to it. Mm-hmm. So stick to itness is the, is really the key. And uh, whether that becomes a habit and, and people talk about developing habits mm-hmm. uh, by doing things over and over, I'm not sure I buy that, but it's the stick to itness that allows you as a podcaster to reap the benefits of your podcast or any other social media tool you may choose to use. Right. 
So that is interesting. I mean, and I, I guess part of part of what I would want to understand better, I think, what people might want to know if they're thinking about this, is, um, is you know, let's say a person does, you know, put out a podcast on a regular basis. Um, what do they need to do to make sure they're not, um, you know, they're, they're investing time and investing effort in doing that? What do they need to do to make sure that they're fully, I guess, capitalizing on or taking advantage of or fertilely utilizing the tool of podcasting? Um, you know, you know, you know, as so that they're not like, you know, so that they're not only, let's say, getting 50 percent of the benefit that they could be getting. What should they make sure that they're doing to fully be leveraging whatever it is good for? So I, I probably should have said a few words about the cost to entry. OK, uh, because they're almost minimal. Uh, you're going to have to buy a mic. You may have to buy a, a recording program, but if you're on a Mac, you don't have to even do that. Uh -huh. So uh, the cost entry is relatively low. The time it takes to learn the technology is minimal. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a even for an old geezer like me, uh, <laughs> it's it's relatively straightforward, uh, and you can figure out how to do it. So uh, the cost, uh, both. Uh, kind of physical capital and then your time are, are relatively low. The um, the mistakes that I've seen people make are, are really it's just that they haven't stuck to it. And if you don't stick right. to it, you don't have a consistent message. And it, there's one other thing if you don't stick to it, it's a, probably a little more uh, psychological, which is people will get the idea that, uh, well, gosh, they really don't follow through on, on what mm. they've committed to do. It could almost uh, be worse than to, having you, never done it. Right. It's kind of like, uh, I hate to use the, the analogies of a college degree today, but, uh, you know, having a college degree to a lot of people means they had, you had the, the stick to itness or willpower or, or whatever it takes to get through four years and get a piece of paper. Whether mm -hmm. that piece of paper is of value or not is a separate issue, but right. you at least stuck to it for those four years. And I think right. that's a message, you, negative message you send if you start something and then uh, don't follow it. it. Once again, it's not going to be a panacea, but it's going to be a part of an overall strategy uh, that you employ uh, in whatever profession you're in, uh, <clears throat> single consultant, small consultant, or multinational corporation. Right. Okay. And I mean, that's fascinating. And, and, and I, I think, you know, maybe another thing that I want to, you know, I want to learn from you and I know you have knowledge about is, um, is if people want to actually make an income now, not just use it for marketing, branding, um, message amplification, but what if somebody is thinking, Hmm, maybe I could use the podcasting for an independent source of income, whether it's through advertising or, uh, or, or, or whatever the method might be. So what, what, what are the factors that would determine if that is possible for somebody, not possible for somebody? Can one make a living out of podcasting or a supplemental income? Like, can you t t tell us about that, about that aspect of podcasting in terms of actually making an income from it? So you have to start with keep your day job. You're okay. not going to make money from podcasting. Mm -hmm. You may make a few bucks, but you're not going to make enough to live on. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, there are people who do that. They are in a different world than us. Uh, they have millions of followers, and they're very well-known personalities. So <clears throat> my experience for just kind of regular people is you're not going to be able to make a living podcasting. You're going to have a mm -hmm. supplement, but it's not going to be much. Uh, it, it's really uh, a tool. I haven't found it. <clears throat> too many people who can flip that into being able to make a living from it. Mm -hmm. 
And, and in terms of using it as a tool or, or I mean, putting aside the tool aspect um, for the supplemental income aspect. So what does that look like if someone wants to, even as a supplemental income or as an additional source of revenue, uh, what does that look like for people to, if they want to, if they're thinking of wanting to do that? Probably a couple of six packs of Diet Coke a month. <laughs> okay. Not so significant. Well, I didn't even just mean, I, I mean, I didn't necessarily mean just the amount of money, but even just the, uh, what does it take to do that? Or who could do that? Or what kind of traffic do you need? I don't know what. So traffic wise, uh, you need about 40,000 downloads a month to get advertisers attention. Uh, when you have that level, you can start to get between, uh, uh, 250 to maybe as high as 500 per episode. Uh, getting up to that number of uh, downloads is a pretty significant uh, uh, task. Yeah. And it's, uh, I don't want to say this is counterintuitive, but the more niche you are mm -hmm. and the more subject matter experts you are, the less your numbers are going to get to that 40,000. Mm -hmm. <clears> because even in my world of, of anti-corruption compliance, where I'm the, the I have the largest uh, social media presence, uh, that's a very high number for me to get to. And I have to break out of the kind of compliance world into the broader business world right. of uh, podcasts. And, and that's just not something I've been able to do yet. I'm still seen as a, a business ethics, corporate governance, compliance uh, niche. Mm -hmm. And that's by design. I mean, I wanted to have that. Um, but it's, it's made me more well-known in my little pond, but it's also kind of prevented me from moving into a bigger lake or an ocean. Okay. Well, I, I think that's uh, I think that's a, a great reality check for for people and and just to understand what podcasting again is good for, what it's not good for, um, and uh, you know, and and in terms of in general, what 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 podcasting and blogging can uh, can and cannot uh, do for for helping a person uh, grow their business or amplify their voice, um, you know, and you know, and I I think that your experience in 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 all aspects of that and, and leveraging a, a consulting business from it, which is just really fascinating and, 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 and neat. Um, you know, and, and what podcasting again is good for and is not good for, I think is critical information for people. And so I really, really appreciate it and appreciate uh, everything you've been able to share. Well, Ben, thank you uh, so much for uh, having me on and giving me the opportunity to visit with you. Yeah, no, it was an absolute pleasure. I really, really appreciate you coming on and, um, and I uh, look forward to, you know, hopefully continuing, continuing our conversations over time after this show. And we'll see everybody else on the other side. Thank you for joining. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.